Welcome to Living Life in Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VidFriends Podcast is a part of a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molino. For more information about VidFriends, you can visit us at www.vidfriends.org. Well, I want to share with my listeners that, you know, sometimes things work well, sometimes they don't. This is one of those cases where when technology is great, it's great, and when it's not, it's not. So on the 45-minute mark of our conversation, I got kicked out of the system. Um, My Wi-Fi went down for at least eight hours, so we could not finish our conversation or at least wrap things up. My guests are wonderful people. They decided, hey, let's come back. Let's finish our conversation. So we're able to wrap things up and make it into a full podcast. So if you hear things sounding just a little different, just slightly off a little bit, that's what it is. We recorded on two separate days. And I always say the show must go on. No matter what happens, the conversation needs to continue. And this is one of those cases. So sit back and enjoy living life and love. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So on today's show, I have two special guests. I have Tanya and Marta. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. So we're going to start off this way. We're going to start with introductions, and I'm going to start off with Tanya, and then we'll go to Marta. Just tell us your name and where you're from. Anything else you want to share, then we'll jump into our conversation. Hi, I'm Tanya Rook. Um, I'm 61 years old. I've been married for... 11 years. I live in the Tampa Bay area. Um, I'm an attorney and I'm also a part-time worship leader at my church. Awesome. Thank you for sharing and welcome to the show. Marta. Hi, I'm Marta. I'm from Sacramento, California, and um, I'm 66. I'm a retired CPA. All right. And welcome to the show as well. And I'm Mark Braxton. I'm your host and I'm 50. So I'm the young one here. (laughs) but we all are young at heart so that's all that matters (laughs) yes so ladies i thank you for being here and you know i want to talk about a very important conversation um and tanja may join us if she has an opportunity so for our listeners you may hear an additional voice and if she pops in i will have her introduce herself if not then we'll keep going um we want to talk about vitiligo and our identity um I think is a very important topic to have because I've heard in in the past and, and even recently people you know state that well I'm losing my identity as my skin changes I'm changing I don't know who I am anymore. We'll unpack that in a few minutes. But before we even get there, let's talk a little bit about our vitiligo journey. Uh let's see whoever wants to start, I'm not going to choose this time and let you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can start. Um, I was officially diagnosed with vitiligo in 1988. Um, I was in my last semester of law school. So, you know, I had been having issues with losing pigment on the, my, the palms of my hands and then around my fingertips. But it wasn't until it hit my face that I'm like, okay, I've got to find out what, what this is. So I went to the dermatologist and it was a very kind of underwhelming experience because he was so condescending and just saying, well, it's vitiligo and basically there's nothing you can do about it. And that was 1988. So I I knew nothing about it, never heard of it. 
Um, so, but when I moved to the Tampa Bay area, I, um, University of South Florida is here and there was a doctor here at their dermatology clinic who was doing photo light therapy. <laughs> Some of you have been through that. It's so tedious. Um, and so I did do treatment there for a little bit. Um, um, but, and, but eventually I lost all of my, my pigment by, uh, the year 2000, I had pretty much lost all of my pigment. So I'm brown skinned, but I was brown skinned. So. Right. And, and for our listeners, that's considered universal. One of the misconceptions I had about our community, I, I assume everybody knew all the different types of vitiligo. And um, excuse me, when we had uh, World Vitiligo Day, and I've done some research myself, but we had the doctors confirm that there are at least seven to eight different types, and they're still discovering possibly more types of vitiligo. You know, confetti is one of the newest ones. It's just little spots all over. I have confetti. Um, of course, you know, you got your generalized, segmental, universal, there's aquafacial, there's the causal, there's all these different types. And um, it, it can get overwhelming. Yes. Um, and based on your um, journey, I think sometimes with dermatologists, especially in the 80s and 90s, because I got diagnosed in the 90s, they didn't know. I, no. I, I really feel they knew about vitiligo, but did not know enough to really help us. They could just say, this is what it is. Try this and have a great day. Give me my money. Bye. You know, and that was it. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> right. See, I could laugh about it now, but then. I didn't no, know. no, it, it was wasn't like, happening. Wow. Yeah, I was in my 20s. So, you know, I'm just getting done with with school and you're right. thinking, okay, now this is the time to to start really dating because I wasn't really paying attention to that. And so, you know, those uh-huh. are I call those my lost years. Right, right. You know? Absolutely. And that transition from being spotted to universal that that's that's hard you know and for some of us we're stuck in between you know i'm stuck yeah. in between i don't know what my skin's gonna do right. but we're not let's not talk about me right now let's go to marta and then i'll come back all right um hello i i was um gosh in 2017 i started treatment for skin cancer and the first treatment that i had it's immunotherapy and um, I thought I was going to nail it because I mean, they warned me about different side effects, but I thought, well, Jimmy Carter had this when he was 90 and it worked well. Right. And so I was coasting along and then just had a lot of really horrible things. I got to the point where I could almost not walk and things. And so they stopped it. They finally realized it was the treatment. And um, I had a few more bouts of skin cancer, went through three surgeries. And uh, finally, it uh, I was detected in my lungs. And so they decided, okay, regardless of our fears of immunotherapy, we're going to try a different one. And so I started it. And I, you know, I was apprehensive because I knew how many months it would take for anything weird to show up. But I'm thinking it's going to be the very long list right. <laughs> of side effects. And this wasn't listed. Uh, they hooked me up. It's much like chemotherapy where you have a drip. And so it started, and my husband was there with me that day. And I, 30 seconds after the drip started, I looked at my hands, and I had these perfectly shaped polka dots appearing on my hands. Right. And I said, do you see this? And he's 
flagging down the nurses and everybody is just rushing and they're calling over to see if this is, you know, do we need to just stop treatment? And um, the oncology department said, no, it's a, it's a side effect. It's not a reaction. And so no one could give me more information because they hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking and so I continued treatment and it just kept spreading. And I found a study of one person who had had that happen at about the same time of treatment as me. And it's just my immune system is ramped up so much that it attacked the mel- melanocyte. Right. And, but it's supposed to, of all things, increase my chance of survival. Wow. Okay. I, I guess it's kind of a quiet yay. Right. <laughs> and um, so it progressed, you know, it kept, you know, going up my arms and things. And right. I don't know what normally happens with people, but anywhere where it turns, where my skin is turned white, the hair has as well. Yes. Oh, that's lovely. Yes. So <laughs> the first streak I saw was through my eyebrow. And I told my husband, okay, this is great. And now I've got things going on with my face. And he said, oh, you look like Storm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I like that. No, I, I wish I looked like Ellie Berry, but thank you. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm lucky to have his support because I don't know other people with vitiligo. I haven't seen anyone out here. Wow. And um, so at, at least I have this cheerleader because everyone else was saying things like, well, I think you could cover it with makeup or maybe oh, lots yeah. of scarves. Oh, my God. How many scarves? <laughs> I am in California. Yes. It gets really hot. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it has been a change of identity. Huge. Right. And, of course, when it got to my face, that was yeah. a really big one. So it cover it's about 75% of my body now. Okay. Um, yeah. My arms still have a nice giraffe print, but I definitely feel, you know, I, I am mourning the loss of my brownness. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to get into that. Um, I do want to unpack a few things that you said. You know, I, I've talked to other people in our community um, through different podcasts, and one lady shared about a surgery she had. And after her surgery, here comes vitiligo. Oh. And, but she found out with the surgery she went to, she had some body enhancements. But after um, having them removed, she started regaining pigmentation. Oh. So her doctor assumed that it was whatever chemicals or whatever the, the makeup of the body enhancement was, it was creating vitiligo or causing you know the body to attack itself but after removal she's getting more of a pigmentation back um one of the unique things about vitiligo i i want to say everybody's journey with it is so different uh where i've repigmented on my left arm you don't see a whole lot of pigmentation and for my listeners you can't see it i'm showing on the camera but on my right side i've lost more pigment bigger spots and the spots are getting bigger um, on my face, I don't have much on my face. Corners of my mouth, a spot on my neck. And that's been there for 20, I always say 25 years. I keep it at 25. Oh. It's probably 26 years now. Um, my legs, feet, my feet are white. Um, and it's starting to creep more up my legs. I have the confetti also. So 
I often say vitiligo is going to do what it wants to do, no matter what treatment we get, no matter what you're going through or dealing with. But I know some of the doctors and dermatologists say the trauma, the stress. Mm-hmm. And also, and I was talking to a gentleman that was on the podcast, and we kind of both talked about the emotional side of life when you're going through different emotions. Because, you know, whether you're in law school, it's emotional. You you are stressed. You you want to pass that test. You you want to get to the bar. You want to do all these things. You know, in my life, when I developed vitiligo, I was about 25. I was working. I really don't know what happened at that point. The only thing I could think about, my grandfather passed. That was an emotional time, but I still can't go back and go and pinpoint it and say that was it. But I'm thinking what happened at that time? Who knows? Um, Same thing for you, Marta, you know, you, you're going through, you know, the cancer aspect and not knowing what's going to happen next and assuming this is going to happen, then they're giving you what you need in the hospital. And all of a sudden you see the white spots, you know, and that brings on the emotional change and, and oh. the emotions, I think, affect a lot of us. You know, think about I don't want to bring us to the past, but think about those those breakups, you know, those relationships <laughs> that you, you sob and, you, you know, you feel tired <laughs> because, I, you know, I'm hurt. My feelings are hurt and you're sobbing yeah. and you don't want to do anything. Who knows how <laughs> that plays on with vitiligo? Um, yeah. I yeah. often say vitiligo is very unique in itself from a scientific point of view. I'm not a scientist, but I am fascinated with it, how some people can just develop it, you know, three years ago and it spread so quickly. But somebody like myself, it's slow moving. I can see it moving, but it's slow moving. And I always tell people I have a rabbit on my hand on the camera. You can see it with the (laughs) eyes and the ears. I I watch that rabbit. Its face is getting fatter. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) But it's <laughs> but it's moving so slow. Oh. And, and Marta, you said giraffe, and it made me think about that because there <laughs> most of us have most of us have hearts on our skin. You know, all these different things we can pick out with vitiligo. <laughs> um but let's talk about what we really wanted to talk about. Now we got through that mm-hmm. is the identity aspect of it. Yeah. Um, uh, identity uh, can be hard because as being people of color and i'm gonna say people of color right now that includes as we say black and brown but i say Mm -hmm. color right now because the black and brown people come in all different shades right from the lightest to the darkest you know and i feel we do take pride in what we look like we take pride in our skin whether we're light whether we're dark you know that's my pride and then when you start to see it fade it makes you question who am I? Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's start. I'm going to let you two kind of talk a little bit. And I have a few things I want to jump in and kind of share as well. So what was your experience? Tondra, you're, you're universal. Marta, yeah. you're about 70%, but Tondra, you're universal. For our listeners, that means she has no pigmentation. It was, okay. it was, it was really tough, um, especially in the family dynamic. I remember um, when I had been was first diagnosed and then I graduated law school. I went to a family reunion and I still, so I was losing some on my face and on my hands, but I was still pretty brown at that point. Um, and I remember though, one of my cousins making a comment, well, at least you, you've achieved what you've achieved, you know, like before anything really 
that happens. Like mm -hmm. you still have that identity as a black attorney. You're a black attorney. And um, but the the biggest thing was being around your family and feeling and looking so different from everyone. Yeah, I look like my mom, but I'm so white. And right you know, not being able to really talk to them about it, because what do you say? They don't know how to talk to you about it. And, right. and so that was very, very um, isolating. Um, and as it progressed, um, I was in a predominantly black church, and I was in a kind of prominent role in that church. And I, could, I just felt, oh, my goodness, every time I have to go in front of people, I'm always thinking, what are they thinking? Even right. though some of most of them knew me, they were my friends, but it still felt as though, you know, your 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 identity is gone, your blackness is gone. Um, do you still fit in? Then when when it came to dating, I did not date until, um, let's see, two thousand six, seven, two thousand seven. So from the time um, I was diagnosed. I did have a boyfriend for a short time, but after that breakup. So in the early, early nineties, I didn't date until, um, 2006. And, um, and because I felt you felt ugly. So right. going through that change. Yeah. So yeah, it was very, very difficult in the family situation sitting at the, when my dad retired, um, sitting at the head table with my family and I'm the only one up there and I'm like, I don't look like any of them. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah, that, that was one of the, the toughest parts uh, when, you know, once my skin was completely white, at least when I had some Brown hanging on, you know, they, they still knew I was Brown, but now right. I'm, I'm completely white and I'm so white. Um, it was, it was just really devastating, you know, emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about everything. Um, there's something I'm going to share and then I'll come back tomorrow. Then we'll unpack because I'm writing down notes as well. If you see me looking down, I'm writing notes. Okay. So we can come <laughs> back and unpack some of this. Um, but you said the one thing that um, I think is important is fitting in. Um, Dr. Huang from, he's out of California and he's a part of GVF. He was on the podcast and he shared, you know, one of the goals in life for all of us is to fit in. And when you develop vitiligo, you no longer fit in. But then when you become universal, in a sense, you start to fit in because now people can't quite pinpoint who you are. Although you may know. And he said it, it's one of those rare, rare transitions from being like everybody else. When you spot it, you don't know which direction. And then you, you become universal. It's almost as if people will accept you because they don't know. Unless you, say, unless you tell uh -oh. somebody, I have vitiligo. That was one of his thoughts. But we're going to come back to that. Oh Let's, yeah, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Let's go to Marta and then we'll talk a little bit. <laughs> That's really interesting. Well, you know, when I first got it, I was just so concerned about, huh, <laughs> how far is this going to move and how strange am I going to look? And then, <laughs> uh, gosh, I think it had only been a few weeks. 
and we were out to dinner with a couple. Well, I thought she was my friend, but anyway, <laughs> this woman who happens to be white, and she said, and I know, I don't know. Anyway, her, she looked at me, and I said, you know, this is continuing to move, and she said, oh, and with a smile on her face, she said, does this mean you're going to become white? Oh gosh. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Oh my goodness. You know, I think that's the last time I've been around her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I started to realize, my gosh, people are going to see me as, as not being me anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I don't want to pass as anything. I just want to be me. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's really been a concern. And it was kind of funny because nature works in mysterious ways, but I had been having my hair straightened for the 12 years prior to all of this. And at about the same time as a bit of Lego, my hair started refusing any mm. kind of treatment. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, we're going to make up for it. So the world knows there's something there. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> You know, I kick myself because I feel as though I spent a good portion of portion of my life not accepting who I was. And then mm. when I finally did, I didn't embrace it enough. Right. And, and you know, yeah, no, knowing who, who you are is very important. We'll get into that, too. Uh, I do want to share that when you are in that stage of transition, meaning losing your pigmentation, People don't know. And I've heard ignorant comments from adults. Yes, you're turning white. Um, I work with students. I work in a school system. I teach. And I have kids that have said, uh, are you turning white? And, the, and then I've, <laughs> I had a kid at a skating rink, um, a summer program I worked. He asked me, he said, uh, can I ask you a question? I was like, I knew what it was. I automatically, I'm like, I already know. I said, sure. He said, are you mixed? <laughs> I'm like, um, I mean, my, my family background is very mixed, but he said, no, because your skin is black and white. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. And I'm like, I'm like, I've never heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, wow. But I'm in a place where I can I can share with the students that I'm losing my color. Yes. But no, I'm not losing my identity. Right. But it takes time to get there. And not everybody, I mean, maybe if I lost more pigmentation, then maybe I'll feel differently. But that's the thing about vitiligo. I don't know what it's going to do. You know, I've accepted that I may lose more pigmentation. I may not. I, I don't know. I can't answer that. And I've had um, um, my ex, that was one of her questions, you know, you know, how much pigmentation will you lose? I don't know. I'm I'm not God. I can't determine, you know, what's going to happen. Um <laughs> It's just a part of living with vitiligo. And it's that stage that you have to go through. But then it's where, going back to what Dr. Huang said, where do you fit in? How do you fit in? Because, um, you know, you start off growing up. I'm black. Yeah. I got my brown skin, whether it's light, whether it's dark, you know, it's my skin. But then vitiligo comes along and it says, uh, let me get some of that skin. Let me borrow some of that. And it starts to take it away. But then you start to think, what happens if it's all gone? 
yeah. how do people see me now? Yeah. You know? Um, so, although I understood what he was saying, if you become universal, yes, you can blend in because now people are going to assume that you're somebody else. But no, you don't want to be anybody else. You want to be you. You know? Yes. Right. I think... Think I'm just going to say this. I think all of us would like to have our natural color and keep it as one solid color. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've yeah. embraced the fact that I live with this condition or disease. Either way, it depends on how you want to classify it. <laughs> but I would rather have one solid color. That's it. Yeah, yeah. and that's my natural sure. color. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Agreed. Tanja. Tanya. Sorry, Tanya's not here yet. Tanya. <laughs> I keep seeing it on the screen. I'm like, I know Tanya, it's, no, it's Tanya. okay. It's um, okay. <laughs> so, you being universal, and we'll get to Marta soon. Um, what was that like? Just looking at old pictures and looking at mm-hmm. what you look like now. How does that affect you? Or what? What were your thoughts in that process? Oh, that that it it can't. I did not take pictures. There's a large swath, at least 11 years or so, where I took no, I didn't want pictures taken of me when my skin was changing. And once it did change, at that time, I was uh, teaching private school, teaching at a private school run by my, my old church. And so I was around kids. And then, I, but seeing myself and comparing how I looked in my former pictures to my newer pictures, um, of, I, I didn't like it. I accepted it. Right. Um, but I, I didn't like it. And, you know, I still, there are still times when I don't accept it. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm living it, but I don't accept it. Um, and you know, even the way I wear my hair, I started wearing my hair natural at that time when I was teaching. Now that's almost been 20 years ago. I was wearing my hair straight. And so, and then I was wearing weave, like the ponytail that was all popular then. Right. And so I'd have people not know. They think I was Spanish. Right. They think I was, they thought I was Asian. So no, I, I, I did, did not like to see myself in my old pictures. And even here's one of the weird things is when I would dream, Mm. I would still see myself brown. I did not see myself like I was. Right. And, right. and, and, but now I see myself as I am now when I dream. And, you know, oh, that's, that's kind of, awesome. that's kind of, you know, sad sometimes because I'm like, I still, I still want to see my brown back. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, it's, it's hard. It's still hard sometimes to look at those pictures. The right. pain though is, I would say is gone because it took time to work through the pain of the loss. And right. as I've, I've grieved it, and just like you, Marta, I had that same thing of uh, the identity issue, you know, growing up, um, because while I was always raised in an integrated environment, I never wanted to be judged, judged by my skin. I always wanted to just be judged for who I was. And so when I did begin to lose my skin, I was like, is this punishment? Because I did not embrace or love my, my brown skin. Cause now I'm like, if I see someone with beautiful dark skin, I, I have to say something to them. I can't just let them go by me. Um, I have to say, Oh my goodness, your skin is so beautiful. 
Um, so oh. yeah, yeah, it's been been something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll share my thoughts afterwards. Let's go to Martyr. Then I'll come back and share my thoughts and um, some other little stories that fit in. Well, you know, there have been, you know, I mentioned the the one friend and a lot of my friends, you know, had, you know, were suggesting, oh, I know there's makeup or you can try this or there's no, no, <laughs> I shouldn't have to cover this. Right. And um, it just is. And, but I have had some good things happen, too. I don't know if you have Ulta Cosmetics on yeah. East yeah. Coast. Ulta, okay. yes. Ulta, yeah. Sephora, yes. Yes. Well, I was dreading going in, and I thought, why am I still wearing the same color shade? Oh, oh my goodness. My face? It's not oh, this oh, color. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, and it's not, oh, my goodness. And I dreaded going in there. I thought, yeah. oh, who's going to help me? What is she going to look like? And this absolutely beautiful woman, of course, <laughs> to help me. And... um Oh my gosh, she was wonderful. She said, you know, and I didn't even, you know, I didn't mention that like, oh, it's just obvious why I was there. And she said, you know, I have a friend with vitiligo and I have two cousins with it. And I just think it's the most wonderful thing. And I said, what? And she said, I do. Your skin is like this beautiful canvas. Yeah. <laughs> and I just well that's a way to look at it yeah. <laughs> yes it, it, how nice <laughs> it is great to look at it that way but you have to get there to see it it's it's easy for other people to see our skin as being beautiful and the canvas it's awesome yeah. it's cool but you don't know what a person has to go through to get to that level where they accept that this is what my skin looks like yeah this oh. is my presentation to the world yes I, do I need to stand in that person's pair of shoes? Because it's <laughs> right. not working from this. <laughs> right, right. And and people, I don't think they often understand what they're doing at times. Um, yes. Sometimes a compliment can put you in a wrong state of mind. You know, they right. think they're doing the right thing. I love your skin. Uh, maybe don't love my skin. Love who I am. You know, yeah. or right. you know, I I remember. In Winston Salem, North Carolina, I went to a Dollar Tree, and I went to check out. And the lady behind the counter just grabbed my hand and doing all this rubbing my hand, and she's crying. I'm like, Ooh, "Hey, what is going on?" You know, and I'm thinking wow. that's that's really strange. Like, and she apologized. She said, "My dad had vitiligo, oh, but you reminded oh, me of my dad, and I oh. just wanted to touch your skin." And I'm thinking, "But can you ask first? You know, okay, we set the story Absolutely. up so I know what's happening because." I, I am self-conscious at times about my skin, um, sure. except when I'm around kids, because the kids, they come up, where's your skin? Can I touch your skin? Can I touch your spot there? Yeah. I'm like, it's just skin. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> your skin, but it's so cool. And do you have superpowers? And I get all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah. yes, I do. And I find, you know, when we're talking about being accepted, um, kids are very accepting. Yes. And loving and understanding. All you have to do is explain. I have it like, oh, you know, my immune system attacks the skin. It works very well. works too well. Um, and I will lose pigmentation, which is my color. And from there, I'm fine. You can't get it. It's not going to kill me. You know, nothing like that. 
um, it just changes my way of life. And the kids are like, okay, <laughs> what what next? Like, you didn't have to tell me all that. But I think with adults, we have to go into, you could tell when somebody is not comfortable with your skin. Because I think going back to Marta, you talk about, talked about your friends. Yeah. I think they were not comfortable, you know, yeah. with how you look, you know. And sometimes, you know, we're so vain as people in our social settings. We want everybody to look the same. Everybody's got to be beautiful right. the way we see them. Right. Yeah. But I think with them telling you to cover up and put that on, it's their way of saying, I'm not comfortable with your, the way your skin looks. Yeah. And my thing is, that's not your issue. <laughs> that's not your right. problem. Yeah. That's not your place, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Now I've had um you talk about seeing somebody with beautiful skin and all that. And as men, we have our insecurities too, you know, with one and really? two. Oh yeah. <laughs> we come with a lot. <laughs> what you, wait a minute, what do you mean? Men don't come with any insecurities. We're we're tough guys. No, we're not. <laughs> we come with a lot of issues, a lot of insecurities, um, yeah. including our bodies, you know. Yeah. And I recall dating someone and we're driving in the car and this guy's running down the street, you know, and he, you know, he's, it's summertime and she's like, oh, he has beautiful skin. I'm like, Ugh. oh, yeah. and, and for somebody with vitiligo, it's like, oh, so my skin is not beautiful. You know, no, it doesn't look like yeah. his. Okay. He's yeah. greased up. He's running and, you know, super Superman fit. And here I am with <laughs> spots all over. And it really made me feel so insecure. Cause I said, yeah. you know, my skin doesn't match this person. Cause his skin is what you would consider perfect skin. And I'll spot it like a cheetah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't think people, Yes, sometimes they do, but most times they don't intentionally try to hurt us, but there are times they do yeah. by what they say because they don't understand. Tanja, Tanya, sorry, I'm going to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Marta, Marta, we sp- Tanja and I spell our names the same, but I, mine is pronounced Tanya. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she was, she was pretty clear in the age of us. Pronounced is it Tanya? <laughs> uh, right. So I gotta remember it's Tanya, not Tanja. So um but like what you said, being universal, people are trying to figure out, like you said, is she Latino? She's Asian. What is she? I don't know what she is. And you know, although I don't go through that with Vitiligo, I have friends that do it. And it, it has to be hard because there are some people in this world that are, I can't call them ignorant, but I would say not very informed of what people look like. And <laughs> just kind of saying the same thing, but okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to put it in a very nice way. Because, um, I, I, you know, when you look at people, I don't think we always look at their facial features. We look at skin color. Right. And when your mm-hmm. color is not what we assume it should be, we start making judgment. Oh, that person must be this. They must be that. But as I'm going to just say people of color, you know, all colors, look at our facial features. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Look at how we sometimes, how we walk, how we talk, carry ourselves. It's evident who we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But not everybody knows that. Not everybody 
<laughs> takes the time to to yes. understand that, especially with vitiligo. Um, and and I get it because when you see somebody who's universal, if you don't know what universal vitiligo is, you just say the light lady over there, you know, the yeah. Latino lady over there, the Asian lady, the yes. you know. Um, and it it's got to be annoying. So when somebody <laughs> when somebody does that or says that to you, how do you? What do you say? It's funny. We have a place here in uh, Central Florida known as the Villages, and so they're mostly oh my like retirement communities. And you know, and my husband had been in a, was in a band, and we went to one of the venues. I went with him to this venue, and there was a gentleman that walked by us. He came up to me and he says, "You know, ma'am," he's you know. We thought, okay, what what is he going to say? He says, "You know, ma'am." You're the whitest person I have ever seen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he was white. And my husband said, you know, you, oh. really should, you really should have given him a heart attack by saying, yes, and I'm black. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So you get things like that. Um, and you just you just shake your head and just yeah. say, bless your darling heart. But, you know, I, I don't know if you've had this experience, Marta, but... Um, I was, I too was in a band. It was years ago, but it was in that time frame when I was just getting used to the universal and I was wearing weaves. So my hair was wearing long at the time. Uh-huh. And we played a, a place that was, it was a country club. I guess you, you know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> yes, country I do. In the <laughs> South. And uh, oh. yeah, so I heard a couple of, of, of jokes you know, uh, you know, that were uh, offensive because they right. didn't think I, they didn't think I was black. They didn't realize right. that I was black. Oh. So, you know, when it happens, you're just like, wow. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm wearing my hair more natural and, and I'm loving it. But I, I'm now I find that I get the predominant stares are from children trying to figure it out and older right. white men, you know, and then my husband is white. And so there, that's even more challenging for some, some people. Right. Oh right. my goodness. Yeah. You just, you just have to, you just learn to ignore it. Um, and just, because I feel like I'm strong enough now. Right. Um, right. To, to, to handle it, you know, years Wait. ago, I wouldn't, I would not have been able to handle it. Uh, but I've, I've worked, I feel like I've worked through most of that and have accepted that this is who I am now. And, right. Um, but I'm still, I'm still brown. I still, in my mind's eye. I'm right, right, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Oh. What was oh. there a, t- a turning point in in yeah, in where that? you could look back and say, oh, I do feel better about myself oh, yeah. now. Uh, it's it's been a progression. It's and to the point where I, I can't say when that day was, because even with my faith, you know, I, I have a strong faith. Um, in God and but even in my faith community it was tough because on the one hand they're they treat you well because they're people of God that love God love people mm-hmm. but they also don't know how to talk about the journey you're you're walking through either right uh, so right. you know that uh, so no, I can't really say when that happened. 
uh, maybe just leaning more into my faith uh, that I, it's not the more, the most important thing I would say, you know, the most important thing is who I am in God, in Christ, and not necessarily just my skin. You know, right. it's, it's, he sees us more the, for who we are, not, not this external stuff that we look at. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Marta, do you want to share anything about your journey um, in, in terms of that identity, um, where you were and where you are now? I think I've gotten better, and I think probably has to do with the fact that um, some of the, the cardio group, one of my major cardio groups that I uh, go to on Tuesday, all the women there, they saw me before. And that helped because they know who I was before. And they've just been, you know, they've accepted it. Suddenly after COVID, when all the health clubs opened up again, I came back spotted. Right. <laughs> 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 you know, those women have been great about it. And um, they know that I'm self-conscious. They know that there's, you know, a spot that I want to be in the room. I don't. I want to be close to the teacher, but by God, I don't want to be in front of the mirror because I don't want to see myself. And um, they don't shelter me because I came late to class and they all danced around me and forced me up to the front. <laughs> I, was like, I was not getting my normal position. It was just like, get over it. You can see yourself the way we yeah. see you. Yeah. And that helps. But the rest of the world, I do still, you know, I get apprehensive when I'm around groups for the first time or um, going somewhere, I, uh, being around people that haven't seen me since I've changed because there's always this pause. <laughs> How are you? Because for most of them, the last thing they knew was that I had cancer. And so I don't know if they think this is the result of cancer oh. as opposed to what because no one's asking questions mm. but uh, my family my brothers are very uncomfortable with it wow really mm-hmm oh yes that's yeah. that's if it looks like uh mark got kicked out but we can keep talking <laughs> <laughs> we'll carry it till he's back <laughs> yeah. yeah that that is the family dynamic is is can be challenging I, my mother was not happy with it. She made, she was the cover up your arms, cover up your legs. I didn't wear shorts for years. I wore long sleeve shirts all the time. Oh, so, I understand. I'm not yeah. wearing shorts and you know, you know, it's hot where I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but part of that is because, you know, from the knees down, my legs are completely white. Mm -hmm. So it looks like I'm wearing white knee highs. Wow. Yeah. You know, can you just be complete? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I will, I wear short sleeve shirts, but I'm not brave enough to wear shorts right now because yeah, like I said, the oh, white I, knee highs. I get that. Totally. Totally. My husband, he's been a guy, he's definitely awesome and, and really helped me to accept even you know, how my body looks, you know, so I wear skorts now I wear shorts. Oh, yeah. I get back to Wonderful. my tennis clothes, yeah, which I love. So, oh that's my gosh, awesome. yeah. So it 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 will happen, um, but it does take time. It 
Oh, yeah. I, I know that if my mother was still alive, she would just be real unhappy with this. She would um, be she would be sending me makeup, I'm sure. And, you know, coming up with different suggestions. Yeah, I did the makeup thing for um, several years. And then I just got to the point where, no, I don't I don't need to wear it to try to <laughs> cover up the brown. I can't I can't I mean, to make fill in the spaces. <laughs> Didn't that become a full-time job? <laughs> yes. It was oh terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was so I, glad for the day when, well, I can't say I was glad, but I, I remember the day when I announced to, I did this at work because I oh. felt so self-conscious about this that I told my, um, we have a, a regular meeting every Friday to discuss new case law that comes out. And I remember at the end of the meeting telling my coworkers, hey guys, from now on, I'm going to be wearing white makeup, you know, lighter, <laughs> lighter makeup is the way I put it. And I thought, wow, that's why. But I felt like oh I needed my to do that. I felt like I needed to do that because, you know, that's just how much, you know, it, it's, it, would, it would be like someone going in in blackface the next day, you know what I mean? That's how I yeah. felt about it. So I thought, you know, I, I, I need to say something. Oh. oh, gosh. I have felt a need if I'm seeing one person, like meeting someone for lunch I haven't seen in a long time, I feel a need to warn them in advance. Yeah. Oh, it, come on. Yeah. They don't warn me when they've gained weight or something. <laughs> Why do I feel as though I need to apologize? I know. I don't know. It, it's something about, you know, having been brown and losing, losing that. And yeah. Yeah. But I wish I could be lighthearted enough to be able to just show up and say, yeah, I look different, don't I? <laughs> yes. I know. I don't, that's not my personality. I. So Marta, I want to. I want us to go ahead and finish up our conversation about um, vitiligo and our identity. And I know we've kind of talked about. We talked about everything, you know, yeah. uh, our experiences with our friends, and even with um, what Tanya was saying about, you know, church and you know different experiences that we've had. Um, even for myself, you know, in my, I guess, interactions with people, I've had some great experiences. And I've had some rough ones. Um, in particular, you know, I went to an HBCU. And you get your identity a lot from your college experience, who you are, who you're going to be. And then when you start to change, you start to worry about, how are my friends going to see me? You know, um, am I still the same Mark that I used to be? Which I am, but I didn't know that. Um, I, it took me a while to recognize I'm still me. Um, so in your journey i guess over time how has vitiligo shaped the way you look at yourself not necessarily how people look at you but how do you look at yourself now oh my gosh it has definitely changed you know i spent a good portion of my life not liking myself i think a turning point was gosh in my 20s i stood up to a boss Okay. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was for me then because right. I was a single parent, really dependent on that paycheck. And yet I did it. I stood up to her and uh, 
we became friends. Awesome. The weirdest awesome. thing because she was the toughest boss I'd had up to that point. But I started feeling good about myself. And then I got my degree and started working in public accounting. And really, I thought I had changed. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just that I was dressing better. It could right. just be that. <laughs> but uh, it all seemed to change with vitiligo. I thought, oh, you know, I told you I'd been forced to retire when I had, you know, cancer. Right. And so that was part of it. All of these things happening at once. Okay, okay. I look different. I'm not who I was. I'm not right. running a business. And I think all of it led to just feeling really insecure about my look. Right. right. Absolutely. And, and that's a lot of it. Um, I, I feel, you know, we, we come with a lot of different things in our lives, a lot of insecurities, sometimes nothing to do with vitiligo. But when you get vitiligo and it develops, whether it's at a young age or an older age, it doesn't matter. I think those insecurities become heightened and you start to really pay attention to you. Oh, I don't like that string of hair right there. Or yes. I don't like that little spot on my finger that nobody notices. And, and it really makes us feel like the world is staring at us with these binoculars and going, wow, I see every inflaw, imperfection, every flaw, everything that we don't like about ourselves. I think having a bit of LIGO enhances that until you realize, and it took me a while to, to pay attention to this. I had a coworker come up to me and she said, Mark, stop looking at your skin. It's not your skin. It's who you are as a person. And wow. I, and I'm Good like, advice. yeah, but, and I, and she said, no, it, it's not about the, but it's stop looking at your skin. Look at who you are. And I really had to, it didn't instantly change, but over time, really looking at who am I as a person, you know, vitiligo is vitiligo. This is what I have. I'm living with it. No, excuse me. It's living with me at the correct. <laughs> yeah. It's living with me, but I also had to look at, who am I as a person? You know, what is it about me that makes me Mark? Yes, it's my culture, it's my family, it's my ethnicity. And the one thing I always say, you know, I know we are concerned with our skin and how that plays into our, our identity, but our DNA says one thing. You know, if you're born yeah. Black, you're born Latino, you're born, you know, whatever ethnicity, that's who you are. And vitiligo can't take that from you. It can remove your color, but it does not remove who you are as a person, your makeup, your genetics, you know. Um, That's right. And I think we we get tied into so much of I'm turning white. I'm like, really? You're losing your color, but are you really, you know, and what does that mean when somebody says that? You know, I, I, I have yet to hear somebody unpack that, you know, besides physically your skin's turning white, but that's it. It doesn't change anything else about you. You change it. True. Very, now, very true. Now, here, here's a, I guess, a good question about that. Um, I know we we talked a little about a little bit about friends, and you know, let's talk about family. Uh, I know work can be a challenge, but how does your family see you? You know, when they when they look at older pictures and they look at you now and they're like, wait a minute, that's you, the same person. So how do they respond to seeing you change and do they treat you any different? 
I, I could tell, I can tell my brothers are very uncomfortable. Right. I don't see them often. We live in different parts of the country and I know they're extremely uncomfortable with it. And, um, my husband's wonderful about it. He's, he just thinks it's the coolest thing. But like I said, <laughs> you know, he really does think I'm going to turn into storm. Sorry. <laughs> but when he's looking, when he looks at one of my older pictures and he said, he says, oh, wow, you were still beautiful then. What a perfect thing to say. Right. Well, no, oh we, we don't, it's just our skin changes, but we don't, we don't physically change. It's just our skin changes. Yes, they can make you look different, but you're still you. You know, and that's the, the thing. I do like what you said. Um, you know, a lot of times I do talk about relationships and love on my podcast because that's why it's called Living Life and Love. You know, when you find that person who accepts you for you, they don't look at, oh, you have vitiligo, your skin's changing, you're no longer this complexion, you're that complexion. They accept you for who you are. They accept you for your heart and they love you for who you are. I, I do think... Um, it can be challenging for family because they don't under, often understand it. And those are the, that's the elephant in the room. I don't know if I'm going to have that discussion. How do we talk to, you know, my sibling or talk to my parent about vitiligo? We often don't know. And I think just talk to us. Yes. I, I know that there are a lot of people who want to ask questions. And when I talk to my friends, I can tell it makes them uncomfortable. Right. In fact, they act the same way that they did when I would talk about my cancer. Right. Isn't right. that bizarre? Oh my gosh, really? Wow. Huh. But it's their problem. It's not mine. Absolutely. And, and that's the mentality we have to take. Because um, one of the things I'm doing now for myself, um, I don't see a lot of people with vitiligo in my everyday journey. Correction. I didn't notice many people with vitiligo. Um, but on average, I don't see anyone unless we have an event. I, uh -huh. There are several students in my school that have vitiligo, and I found out this summer through a summer program. Really? I'm, I'm, we have an enrichment program that was tied into our summer. Um, it was called Power Scholars Academy, and um, I was teaching about vitiligo. And it's oh. funny, I'm, I'm talking to the kids, sharing, because everybody wants to know about it. They're fascinated with it. All the students, hey, can we talk about vitiligo? I'm like, sure. And one of the little girls, she doesn't speak English. So I used to translate on my phone, and we're talking back and forth. Um, wow. And she shared with me, she says, I have vitiligo. And she turned, and I'm like, oh, you do? You know, I'd never paid any attention. I always thought it was just me and one other child that had vitiligo. And uh -huh. she shared, she was using the cream and um, it is working. You can see where her natural complexion is coming back in. Um, and But she was so excited to know somebody else is talking about vitiligo. And then another little girl shared, she says, I have vitiligo also. She showed me the spot on her neck and I'm like, oh, okay. And there are several kids, so at least four kids in my school have vitiligo. Oh, not as severe. We have about 475 students. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the parents, she has vitiligo. So I'm able to connect with people and talk about these things. What I really want to do in my journey is normalize vitiligo. You know? Oh, very good. 
yes, it's tied into who we are as people. I live with this condition, but there are things I enjoy. If I enjoy music, guess what? I'm going to go listen to music. I enjoy movies. I'm going to go see a movie. I like to eat at restaurants by myself. Uh It's just what I like to do. And I can tell sometimes people are not comfortable. And I'm okay with that. You know, you don't have to be comfortable. I'm good. I'm here to eat. I'm hungry. You know, (laughs) Um, but, but, but I think um, people who don't understand vitiligo, they assume that every day is the worst day ever. No, we have very good days and we have bad days like everybody else. We have those days where I want to wear shorts. You know, I have a day I don't want to wear shorts. You know, it mm-hmm. happens. Um, but it does not take away who I am, the things I enjoy, the things I like to do. Um, it doesn't take take away, you know, my family I grew up with and none of those things. Um, but I think we do it. We chip away at those things and take them away and then go, well, I don't know who I am anymore. Well, that's self-rediscovery. You have to figure out who you are in your new skin or old skin, whichever skin you want to see it as, you have to rediscover who you are, you know, and that's that's what's important. Absolutely. Oh, my. I just feel, you know, after talking with you and Tanya, I just feel so much better. I didn't realize that I was deprived in that area. I just hadn't really thought about it, right. but it made such a difference already. Well, I'm going to tell you, yeah. it's therapeutic to talk about it. I didn't yes. think so. I didn't want to talk about vitiligo because I never did. But the more people I talk to, the more I talk about it, the more comfortable I get in my own skin and realize I'm human. I'm a person, you know, um, yeah, I live with vitiligo. Like I said, it lives with me, but that's it. Like, that's the only thing it's going to do. Any of the other things that I'm challenged with, I can work through those things. You know, mm-hmm. anxiety, insecurities, all I can work through those things, you know. Um, and it's just about educating other people. They are aware. I know sometimes we say awareness, but I think people know about vitiligo, but they don't understand it. And right. that's where we can teach them about our skin, what it's like to live with vitiligo, because, or what it's like for vitiligo to live with us. I'm trying to change my mindset. Yeah. On that. <laughs> oh, that's a really um, good way to put it. Yeah, Perfect. it has to live with us. Um, yeah. And I don't think we have enough discussions with other people about vitiligo. We have it with our within our communities. We talk about it. We talk about the struggles. Um, but yes, but let's talk about the living. What are we doing now? to live our lives. That's important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I am going to keep forcing myself to go out. I am going to keep forcing, you know, I went to a play the other night and you're talking about concerts. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Absolutely. I might not dress the way I used to. Right, right. I mean, I'm still (laughs) in my arm. I just, um, until my legs decide what color they're going to be. (laughs) <laughs> that that's yes that's a challenge um, um oh. <laughs> I, I i can share this um so i've had vitiligo since 20 no no 1995 96 something like that oh, wow. I, it's okay. hard for me to remember now but i <laughs> just really started getting comfortable wearing shorts within the past few years um, oh gosh and it is 
I'm getting to the point where if I'm going to wear shorts, so what if you stare? So what if you have issues with it? That's you. If I'm going to Target, I'm going to Walmart, I'm going to the mall or whatever, I have a purpose. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm yes. going to do that purpose for that reason. And I'm not going to worry about what people are staring or saying or whatever. I can hear the whispers. I, I hear them. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm just at a point now where they have nothing to do with my life. So if I stayed home all the time and was so afraid to show off my legs, there are people that have other conditions, other things that are much worse than vitiligo. Um, I went Absolutely. to the um, what the Skin of Color Society. I might be saying it wrong. Nope. It was a Coalition of Skin Diseases, Heal Day. Oh. That was the most eye-opening experience for myself because vitiligo, you know, we focus on our skin, what it looks like on the outside. But there are people with skin conditions that are affecting them in the inside, and it can also take their lives. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, we look at our self-identity based on the surface. But there are people living with other skin conditions. It shows up on the surface, but it's what's happening in the inside that can harm them or take their lives. And that's something we don't have to worry about, you know. Right. And it just really made me humble that, you know, I'm talking to this person who I see I can't be in the sun. I could be in there for a certain amount of time. Some people can't uh -huh. be in the sun at all. Or somebody can't walk because of their, their skin disease. Or, you know, so many different things. And I said, oh, you know, oh. So it just really made me say, live your life. Just enjoy life. You know, uh, it could be yes. worse, but it's not. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why my husband gets upset with me when I start making comments about my skin, because he said, you traded cancer for this. Right. Focus. Absolutely. You're still here. <laughs> well, uh, this is what I see. Um, now, I could be wrong, but just my, my thought and opinion. As people, we are vain. We, we love yes. how we look. I mean, really, we love how we look. And and I mentioned it before, we want our normal skin. We want to look the color we were born. Vitiligo says something different. It says uh, you're going to be whatever color I said you're going to be. <laughs> you know, you're going to be scarlet. Yeah. You might lose it all. <laughs> um, you might get hyperpigmentation. Who knows? But um, I, I think it, we just have to, at some point, step back and accept who we are. It is hard because you you do want to look your best mm -hmm. and you do want to feel your best. And and doing so might mean just dressing up and going out and not even think about vitiligo, but you have to get yeah. there. It's, it's a process. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just I didn't think I was this superficial. I really didn't. But apparently with I, myself, I have been <laughs> because I put on a print dress and I thought, wow, is that clashing with my... Right. right. <laughs> no, even yeah. men think that too. So don't don't think it's just women. The men think that too. Okay. Like, wait a minute, I can't wear this color because it blends in with my skin, the white skin on my hands, <laughs> or my arms. You know, I I try yeah. not to think about that, but then I got it's to the point crazy. where I'm like, it's hot. I don't want to wear socks today. But if I don't wear socks, they're gonna see my ankles. My ankles are pure white. What do I do? Well, guess what? Yes. I said, you know what? For the first time ever in my life, I'm not going to wear socks with my sneakers and I'm going to go out there. And I no. did it. I did it. And Yay. I'm like, ooh, 
that was liberating. I did it, you know, but it was hard to do that because I always, I'm like, if I can't hide the rest of my legs, at least I'm going to hide the big white spots on my ankles because they Uh really stand out, you know, and it's just those things we go through, you know, um, vitiligo. That's all I can say, vitiligo. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. But but what we're going to do, we're going to wrap things up. Um, Okay. I always ask my guests, to leave our listeners with some words of encouragement, because I always say we may not reach everyone, but there's somebody listening that your words or my words are going to really impact them and hopefully make some type of change or help them along in their journey. So share anything you want to share. Just bring it from the heart. It doesn't have to be perfect. I think the one thing that I have learned is that life is short and why waste it being so silly about something like our skin and talking to other people don't keep it to yourself i think that that makes just such a huge difference like i said i already feel better good good i'm not alone (laughs) no no (laughs) you're not alone michael jackson said it best you are not alone and just think about it he had vitiligo too yeah, the yeah. perfect message for all of us. You know, we that is one thing, and I want to say this before we wrap up. Um, we do think we are alone. Uh, we think we're the only one in the world with vitiligo. Sometimes we think we're the only one that are dealing with identity issues or that we feel isolated or insecure about, you know, wearing shorts. So for some of the ladies wearing a dress or going to the beach or to the pool or whatever, or just being out in public. You're not alone. There's a lot of us out there who go through that. But then there's some of us out there, I'm going to say not even some, but a lot of us who have conquered that, you know, that insecurity or conquered that uh, self-esteem issue. And, you know, talking to others can help you. You know, um, is it easy? No, it's not always easy. It it may take time. Some people think that change is going to happen tomorrow. No. It takes time. No, no, no. Being vulnerable is a hard thing to do. Absolutely. And I often say, as confident as I am today, I don't know how I'm going to feel tomorrow. There's those moments where I'm great today. And tomorrow I'm going to watch a football game. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be around other people and walk in and feel, it happens, you know. And then I have to think, how do I get myself out of that mindset now and be in the moment? It is hard, and it's a process. So, Mark, yes, I am going to quit yes. creating my own prison, though. That's all right. Even, even if you're locked in the prison, you know there's still a key that can open up that door. <laughs> Just <laughs> or get you a cup and run it along the bars. <laughs> 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 I'll sing you a happy song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but yes, we do. We we are our own captives, our own captives, our prisoners. Yeah, yeah. We put ourselves in that prison, and and we feel like we can't get out, but you can, you know. And I really want to normalize just living our lives with vitiligo, vitiligo living living with us, and just doing the things you love. You know, don't let vitiligo yeah. determine what you can and cannot do in life. You know, absolutely. Oh my so, goodness. So, Marta, I thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And this has been a wonderful conversation. And stay tuned for the next one, because it's not going to be the last time I talk to you. No, thank you. You're welcome. 
So we okay. were talking about our, our identity and and how identity plays a big part of you know vitiligo and and how we see ourselves and 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 how others see us. Um, and we did talk about it early on. So what are the what are the different parts of your identity that you feel are very important or necessary when you know when you're interacting with other people or when they come up to you and say, "Hey, what are you?" <laughs> you know, I mean, what are the different aspects? Whether it's you know culture, whether it's community, what is it that really makes you say, "Hey, I'm black"? Or yeah, yeah, that's a good question because there are times when you want people to know that you're you know, that you're black. Um, And I I would say that when I'm in situations where there's diversity, like at my church, we're a very diverse congregation. And there are some of those people I've known a long time. Some of them I've met when I was just starting my Vita Ligo journey. So, you know, they've seen the change, but then there are other people that have not known me as that brown skin Tanya. So it, it's there. Those are the situations when you kind of want to go. You know, I am. I am brown. You do re- realize I am a black woman because there are people literally that I've met um, where I work out. They didn't know. Right. I was in. I was in a magazine. You know, really early on, like two thousand four, and. Um, I showed the magazine to a couple of people that I work out with and they were saying, well, which one are you? Because mine was from black to white. That was what happened to me. And well, which one are you? So they didn't realize I was the brown skinned woman because there was a a before and an after. And they're like, which one are you? And I thought, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the kinds of situations where, you know, you're in a, in a, a, a place where, you feel like diversity matters, you know, right. and um, that that's a strange thing because that's that's a moment where you're like, oh man, people don't really know, you know, they want to ask you. They're, uh, and, and you know, and I, I think that's why it's so important for our vitiligo communities and other organizations that support us to not just talk about awareness but talk about education because people are aware about vitiligo. But I don't think they're truly educated about our condition, what it's like to live with it. Those experiences, as you mentioned, you know, people not recognizing you or seeing your before pictures and seeing you now and not realizing you're the same person, you know, um, that's where the education is key. Right. And and to have that understanding what it's like to live, well, and I, I, as I was telling uh, Marta, I'm trying to change my mindset, not living with vitiligo, but allowing vitiligo to live with us. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we we need to take charge of our lives. Yeah, live right, the way right. We need to see it. Right. Um, here, here's a question. So thinking about you before, when you were younger, going mm-hmm. through the changes with your vitiligo, um, and I, and I, I hope I can say this, but an identity crisis, that's the way mm-hmm. I see it, you know, because you are changing. You don't know what's going to happen. You you know, people are going to treat you differently. Um, what would you say to your younger self now? You know, where you're at in this day and age, uh, what would you say to your younger self and how to, I guess, combat those negative things we say about ourselves and our identity, you know, especially with vitiligo? 
Right. Yeah. Well, really, the most important thing is who I am now is who I am in Christ, who I am in God, because he doesn't see race or skin color. He doesn't see any of that. Um, And so that if I could tell myself, you know what, Tanya, even though you see yourself this way, you're going through this and people may look at you funny that doesn't really matter because it's really who you are on the inside. Right. You know, that's what people really relate to anyway. When, when you make those deep friendships and connections with people, it's not about your race or your ethnicity. Those things only add flavor to it. Right. You know, Absolutely. It's really who you are as a person. Um, and so that's what I would say um, to, to my younger self. You know what? Just be the kind of person you want to be around. Right. That sort of thing. And, and that's important. Yeah. Because if people don't yeah. want to be around you, it doesn't matter what you look like. They just right. don't want to be around you. Exactly. And, you know, um, when we start talking about identity, you know, there's so much that, that that's involved in that. You know, I know we think identity in terms of complexion. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is a big part, you know, oh, right. yeah. yes, your skin color defines us, all of us, you know, um, but there's so much more because let's go now. No, no pigmentation. It doesn't take away um, how you were raised. It doesn't take away your culture. It doesn't mm-hmm. take away your family dynamics. It doesn't take away your DNA. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take any of that away. Vitiligo just removes the color. Right. But everything that makes us who we are is still inside of us, you know, and I think we have to truly see that. And it's hard at times Mm because you think, man, I am turning into somebody new. Well, if you let yourself become somebody new, you know, and and that's not always a bad thing when you are um, willing to change your mindset, your thoughts about you and other people, that's a good thing, you know, because sometimes right. we come with a lot of biases and, and judgments of others. But I feel like whoever you are, whoever you're born born as, that that's you. You know, mm-hmm. nobody can take that away from you. Right. Little Igo can't take that away from you. You can. Right. You and know? I think in this country, you know, the one thing is that we've made color such Yes, a huge thing. You go to another country. Um, I, you know, I had the chance to go and study abroad, and I was American. Right. I wasn't wasn't African American. I wasn't Black American. I was right. just American. Absolutely. And so that's one of the things that I think that's why we really struggle when we lose our pigment because it's such a huge thing about our culture here. Right, um, right. Negative and positive. Um, if you're brown, then you're expected to do this or fit into this box. Right. But one of the things, challenges I had as a teenager growing up in an integrated environment was, you know, well, you know, maybe I don't like that kind of R&B. Maybe, you know, maybe I like classical music right. more than. And so who who's to say that I have to like, you know, right. R&B? I can like classical music. I was classically trained on piano, so I might like it better. 
And I think that's really sometimes the struggle. I don't know if it, uh, that's the case for Marta, but I remember her mentioning that. And I think that's the struggle I had. So then when my skin did start changing, I'm thinking, no, 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 I, I, I didn't want to be white. I just right. wanted to be treated for who I was, not my skin color. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, and I think we we all have struggled. I even think about growing up as a child. Um, when I was about five, I, I had my own personal identity crisis. I mm -hmm. thought it was white. Um, mm -hmm. My mother's darker. My dad is light. I have another brother that's light and my other brother's darker. But, you know, when you hear, you know, growing up, you hear black and white. That person's yes. white, that right. person's black. Mm -hmm. That person's white, that, that person's black. But as a five-year-old, you know, I'm thinking, well, you say white, there's a white crayon. You say black, there's a black crayon. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm closer to white than I am to black in my complexion. So as a five-year-old, <laughs> I struggle with that. I, um, yeah. I really thought I was white. My parents had to explain, you know, as people of color, we come in all shades, you know. Right. <laughs> and she said, but when they ask for classification, you're considered black. So, well, they came to school. And I had a self-portrait and they knew which one was mine. <laughs> I used a black crayon. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, you, you do struggle at times for self-identity. You know, at five, I mean, I didn't know the difference. But, yeah. you know, when I look back now, you know, this is who I am. There are things that I like, like you talked about music and <clears throat> I like certain TV shows and you know, we grew up in the hee haw area era right, and right, um, right, yeah. things that and didn't even matter. You know, was right. Benny Hill show, hee haw, yeah, all Benny those, Hill, you know, yeah, all yeah, those yeah. weird shows we watched. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to think about black or white. We were just being right. entertained. We were enjoying right. it. And that too is a part of our, our identity if you're over a certain age, because that was all a part of growing up and watching TV and Grizzly Adams and all these shows yes, that we yes. watch. And we're just thinking those are people living. We're not thinking about identity, but then no. you did have those shows that you can identify with, like right. your, your Good Times and the Jeffersons, the different right. shows that came out. Um, but I, I think about now, we do, I think as a society, we do struggle a lot with identity because some people are trying to figure out who they are in their skin. Right. Um, yeah. I had a very unique experience with this with a student. I was his one-on-one, -on -one. he had special needs. Um, very smart child, but he could he could not walk. He was in a wheelchair. And for me, I was really struggling with vitiligo, what I look like, my skin. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, man, this child can't walk. He can't run. He can't do flips or anything that I can do. I can go kick a ball. You know, yeah. he can't do that, but he's happy. He's enjoying his life. He knows who he, you, when you talk to him, who are you? He can tell you exactly who he is, you know, where he's from and, you know, how he identifies himself. And I'm sitting there going, hmm, I'm struggling with my skin and what it looks like. Why? Why am I doing this? Right. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, <laughs> to me, it was a wake up call that this is kind of superficial. This is mm -hmm. on the outside. Yeah. And whether I'm one complexion, or multiple complexions, because I am, um, I'm still me, you know, and I had to discover that, like, I'm still Mark, this is yes. who Mark has always been, 
I just look a little different. I, yes. I, you know, I'm a little spotted. That's okay. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, and that's yes. a pro- and that's a process for people to get to. Oh yeah, because um, because we are as a society, we we everybody wants to look good. Everybody, right. and I get right. that. And everybody wants to be flawless, and we all come with with challenges. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but I feel like it's a step. It's a process to go. I'm me. I love me. Vitiligo or not, I still love who I am. And vitiligo does not define who I am. Yeah. And I, I, I've said this often in some inner circles. Um, When I talk to people, I don't mention I have vitiligo. They can see it. If they want to know about it, they can ask, but I'm not going to just go, Hey, I'm Mark. Guess what? Right. I have vitiligo. <laughs> you know, yes. that's not important. You know, right. if somebody's not comfortable, they can ask me and mm-hmm. I will open up the conversation. I don't mind. Um, and I know sometimes we get offended because people don't know how to address us. They don't know right. how to ask yeah. those questions. Right. Right. And and it's okay, but that's where we educate people. But mm-hmm. this is, it, it. it is now a part of me, you know, um, I don't have to like having vitiligo, which I don't. I often say that I don't have to like right. having vitiligo, but I'm living my life and vitiligo has to live with me. So if it doesn't like what I do, guess what? It'll get over it <laughs> because I'm living my life, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very true. Um, no. I, th- I think another hard thing to uh, definitely uh, in the area of relationships because, yes. you know, I was single until. Uh, 50 and um and so that was another issue is would i i I had these thoughts would a a black man be okay with me you know looking like would his family be okay i i went through that yes thinking that and think and you know it turns out that i married someone who's not black um, but, um, and that's just how God brought things about, but I did, I thought, oh my goodness, he'd have to be someone very strong to be able to handle that. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I get it. Um, I, that is an area I, I would personally say I do struggle with, you know, I feel like it's, it's easy to meet people. But for people to truly understand what it's like to live in our condition, to have those insecurities that pop up just like that, to somebody may say, hey, let's go to the beach. And you're kind of like, not really. (laughs) No, I'm not comfortable. But you don't want to explain that it's my spots. I know there's all types of beach bodies out there. I get it. But it's different when you have these spots that maybe somebody else don't un- quite understand. Right. Yeah. Um, or even into social settings, you know, I'm good. I'm, I may be good from the time I get dressed, but the time I hit the door, get in the car, but on a, now anxiety kicks in. Yeah. You know, and it take. I, I honestly feel it takes a strong person to say, I understand what you're going through, or yeah. if I don't understand it, share with me. Let, mm-hmm. let me learn yeah. um because i think it is a learning process and not everybody's mm-hmm. on board for that you know right. yeah um and families that is important um yeah. your family may accept you but the other person's family not so much not all the time right. and you got to think about the other person 
Exactly. How do they set it up for their family? Like, hey, I'm going to bring this person home (laughs) and they have vitiligo and this is what it is. But not everybody has the tools to do that and say, hey, this is what vitiligo is. It's not contagious. Yes, their skin looks different, blah, 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 blah. Some people are going to accept you. Some people not. And let's be real. A lot of us get thrown in the friend zone. Hey, this (laughs) this is my buddy, my friend. It's like... Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, But it happens. But I am going to say this. Just like you found love at 50. Love is out there for each and every one of us. You know, for our listeners, I know we have people that may feel like no one's going to love me. Love you first. Yes. You know, be your best love story first. Take yourself out. Get dressed up at times. You know, smell good. Whether you want to date or not, just go out. Just just yes. go to the movies, go out to dinner, go do things by yourself. It's okay. And let people see your confidence. You know, even if it, it's waning at times, I'm confident right now. I'm not confident. I'm good. <laughs> Still go out. And and I say walk with pride. Not don't be a narcissist out there, but walk with pride right. and show people, hey, I love who I am. And guarantee somebody's gonna pay attention and somebody's oh, yeah. gonna want to get to know you. Yeah. And once they get to know who you are in the inside, they can love all of you. Yeah. You know, and that's what's important. It will happen too. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you least expect it. You know? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Don't say tomorrow I'm going to be in love and it might not happen tomorrow. But it can happen in those weird places. Sometimes we feel like, oh, love is going to meet us at the club. No, nah, nah, the club is something else. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it can happen on the walking trail. It can happen at the grocery store. It yeah. can happen anywhere. It can happen at a business seminar, anything that you do. You know, um, I, I would say there are good people out there who are looking to find a good heart and a good soul. Yes. So, yes. yes. So don't give up on love, people. Don't give up on it. It's still there. Yes, <laughs> it is. So, Tanya, I'm going to go ahead and, and start bringing this to a close. But okay. I always ask my guests to leave our listeners with some words of encouragement. Um, anything you want to share, any last thoughts, but yes, but still share something positive. Because I say somebody's going to listen to this and say, you know what, thank you for sharing that because I needed to hear it. We may not know who that person is, but it's going to reach somebody. A couple things. First thing I would say is it's okay to grieve the loss. I don't feel like I did that in a very positive way because I didn't have the support. Like if I had a beautifully unblemished You know, when I was going through, that would have been fantastic to walk into a room and see other people that looked like me. Um, So I would say um, grieve the loss, but don't do it alone. Get if it's just one person that you have to talk to about it Um, and also talk with your family. You might have one family member that you can talk with, because I, I realized, too, once I started going to beautifully unblemished that I didn't really even bring my family into it. And they love you. You right. know, they care about you. And and just start the conversation. It may be awkward at first because they're your family, but still they don't know how you're feeling really until you tell them. Absolutely. My family didn't know until I told them. I, you know, I was able to open up to them uh, a few years ago after I went to Beautifully Unblemished, uh, just some things that I had not shared with them in the past. So grieve your lost. 
open up to, you know, your friend, someone that's close to you and just let them know they're grieving um, and that if they would be there, a support for you, um, if you don't have a support group around. Um, and then also, I guess the last thing would be um, your skin is, it's, as we've you've said, it doesn't define you. It's just a part of you. Um, and there's, there's so many things out there that like you met the young man, the student in the wheelchair. And I, I try to think about that sort of thing. There are so many people that are dealing with other things right. much more serious than our skin condition. Um, it's still, it's real. It, it impacts us, but right, right. I just try to be grateful that, you know what? I'm not blind. I can walk. I can get up. I can move. I can do my exercises. I can do, I might have issues related to my skin, you know, protecting it. Uh, I had chronic hives for a couple of years, things like that, but it's not the same. And just, so th- that's what I would say is, um, it, it could be worse. Absolutely. (laughs) And just like I shared with Marta, a couple of things. When you mentioned that, um, I went to the Coalition of Skin Diseases Hill Day um, Mm. and I had a chance to meet other people with skin diseases. And to me, it was humbling. It was eye opening and made me realize, you know, vitiligo doesn't stop me from doing anything. You know, it just makes me. I guess. Little, you know, throw up a little caution sign, you know, maybe a little insecurity here, mm-hmm. some anxiety here, but it's not going to stop me. I stop me. I make yeah. the choice not to do certain things. But there are people dealing with other conditions. They can't do the things we can do. Right. You know, yes, we got to be careful in the sun. Some people just got to be careful mm-hmm. all around. And it really just made me look at life in a different um, lens. Um, the support community is very important. And in particular for our men, and let me say this to any of the men listening, find a support community. The more you talk, the better you'll feel because there are a lot of things. And and I'm saying as men, because, you know, we don't like to talk. We like to keep things in. And all it does is build and it builds up these walls and it makes us angry. It makes us uh, have other health issues like, no, talk these things out. It's okay, no matter how hard it may be. It is hard at times to talk and be mm-hmm. vulnerable. Do that and you'll feel better and you'll realize people do care. You know, those the support communities and other organizations out mm-hmm. here are important for us, for our mental health, for our physical yeah. health. You know, all these things. Get out and talk to people. That is yeah. so important. So, Tanya, I yes. thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing. I had a great conversation, so I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank and, you for having me. You're welcome. And this won't be the last time we talk. So we'll be talking again. Okay. (laughs) Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Living Life and Love. I want to end my show the way I always end it. Remember to love someone. Love your family. Love your friends. Love your spouse. Love your loved ones. And also remember to love your enemies. But most of all, look in that mirror and tell yourself, I love you. And remember, bitter like is not contagious. Love is. Once again, you have been listening to Living Life and Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Vit Friends Podcast is sponsored by my Vitiligo team.